Well, as we head down the home stretch of the season, there is uh, certainly plenty of drama right now in Austin, Texas. And joining us for a few minutes, guy who does great work for Inside Texas, he is Justin Wells, joining us here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo, and we are your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Before we get to Justin, guys, a couple of things. First off, I want to ask you to please leave a rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in return. If you do that, just shoot me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And also, we'd love you to consider becoming a Patreon member. Just go to... uh, Go to patreon.com slash heartlandcollegesports and, you know, you can get a little more insight into different levels of membership you can get involved with, how you can win free stuff, uh, free gear, all those different things on behalf of us. Also be a part of, you know, our mailbags and our roundtables that we do. And it's a way for us to uh, continue to build this thing, you know. I don't want to add more advertisements to the website. I don't want to inundate you guys with more of that. So, I would appreciate it if you could go check it out, patreon.com slash Heartland College Sports. All right, Justin, take us through uh, this past weekend, the Baylor game. When you look at what this game meant, two coaches in year three, Tom Herman, Matt Rule. I mean, Herman looked like he got outcoached. It looked like his team was outmotivated. What did that game tell you about where this program is today? I think it was probably a – macro level on on some of the fundamental breakdowns within uh, the coaching staff, the game playing. There, there, may, there may be a small disconnect between the players and between the coaches. Um, I think there's just a, a lot of little things that need, that need tuning. I'm not necessarily an overhaul. You know, sometimes when, when you, you need a new car, I don't think we're in that stage. I think there's just some things that need to be fine-tuned. I do think uh, the expectations were probably a little too high this year. I know that's easy to say in November, but I think we started seeing that, you know, post-OU. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, Tom Herman has been in Texas almost three full years. He's yet to, to, to make a real major coaching change. And, and maybe, you know, in the process, every great coach, sometimes you have to tweak the system. Sometimes you got to bring in a new guy, some new voices, uh, you know, some things of that sort. And I think that's what you get after watching the Baylor game. I mean, every other game they've been in has been relatively close. I don't think Texas has really been blown out of a game, so to speak, in the Tom Herman era. But that Baylor game, I understand it was a 14-point loss, but they were physically and mentally beat by Matt Rule's team. And you have to give Matt Rule and that group a ton of credit to develop those two- and three-star kids into really have tremendous athletes on both sides of the ball, especially defense. Give Matt Rule a lot of credit. I think that's another thing. You know, him and Herman came in at the same time, and I think that's, it's kind of a microcosm of each other, uh, of kind of the direction of the program. And so right now, I think Texas, uh, after the Baylor loss, it, it was kind of more of a, you know, we, there needs to be some self-evaluation, like Coach Herman said. There needs to be, uh, you know, everyone needs to be held accountable. And I think that's kind of what they're going through today. What do you think, Justin? I mean, I watched the post-game press conference of Herman after that game and listened to him on the Big 12 teleconference on Monday. He just seems to me like he's in a state of shock. And, and you know, you mentioned maybe the expectations were too high, but this does not seem like a guy or sound like a guy who thought he'd be anywhere close to 6-5 to and five with a game left in the regular season. How much has this affected from what you can tell just just Tom Herman and and you know where he is with this program with this job. 
it's you know it does he does look a little shell shocked because I think everyone in the program is a little shell shocked. The expectations were a lot higher for good reason. There was a ton of talent coming back on both sides of the ball, and he's recruited so well in his tenure in Austin. And so there is a little bit of the I can't believe it kind of went this you know I can't believe it went the six and five direction where if you look at the games overall. If you don't look off the field, if you look on the field, Texas was virtually in most of these losses. And so this season could have easily teetered one direction or the other. And I think that they both, I think the staff and the, and the players realized they were so close to something that could have been really good. Uh, like you said, you know, without the Iowa State loss, you know, if they beat Baylor, they're in the Big 12 championship still. And so it, just only a week ago, Texas was still in this thing. There was still a, a fight for them to have. But there's a shell shock now, and I think it's more of a, just a disappointment. And it's more of a, you know, gather the troops, try to rally t- to finish strong. You still got Texas Tech, who, uh, you know, and Matt Wells in his first year is has, having his own transition. Finish hard with Texas Tech, get in the best possible bowl, and use those bowl practices to go back to the drawing board, simplify things, find the base defense, which I feel like they've done really well in the last three weeks. Uh, it looks like the inverted Tampa too has been very successful for Coach Herman in Orlando and those guys on offense. Really, go, you know, get Sam in a room and say, "Number eleven, tell us what works. Show us what works. Allow him more of that audible system. Allow him more uh, ability to change things at the line and to kind of do things that he wants to do." I mean, you're looking at statistically probably the second or third greatest quarterback that's ever going to play at Texas when it's all said and done. From a, you know, from from a number standpoint, let let Ellinger do that. Go back to the drawing board. Use those bowl practices. That's the direction Texas really has to go right now. And then once the bowl game's over, reassess the staff, reassess the roster, and regroup everybody going into the spring. Justin Wells joining us. Great insight. Inside Texas does fantastic work there. So you know, Justin, when you and I last spoke, it was right before the LSU game. And if you told me after the way that LSU game went, we'd be sitting here and looking at this Texas team at six and five. I'd say no way. Uh, you know, there's there's always rumbles that Tom Herman, his teams kind of throughout the season peter out a little bit because of how hard he works them in the summer. You know this team well. Is there any truth to that? If so, how much? I don't think he works them too hard, so to speak. I think Coach Herman just demands a lot. Mm-hmm. He, he demands a lot of his team, of his staff, uh, of the people that work around him. He's a very focused individual. Uh, you know, he, he's having to be essentially the CEO of the University of Texas. And so he's going to push. He pushes hard. I've, I've, you know, I've talked to other coaches in, 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 in college football, and they, they'll tell me, you know, not, there's not many coaches that can get the best out of players better than Tom Herman. There aren't many coaches in the country that get the most out of their players than Tom Herman. And so he, he does work them. And at the same time, you've got to find a balance. And I think that's, that's true in life, but it's, it so applies in football. you got to find a balance of physicality in practice and recovery after games. Mm-hmm. You know, physicality, tackling the way, you know, the way they break down in front of players, the way they break down in, in, in drills and techniques. Find a balance of maintain that physicality, get the most out of your players, but also you got to, you know, if you're going to coach them hard, you got to love them even harder. And I think that's really the direction this program needs. You know, you can get, you can really bear down on you. You know, kids want that discipline, they want that structure, but you, they got to know that, that that you're putting them in the best possible positions on Saturday to be successful. And once those two things kind of get back together, I think the Texas program will be the trajectory will will start sliding back up.
So when you look at this uh, team right now, Justin, I mean, you mentioned the defense getting itself back on track. The running game has continued to struggle this year. And when you look at that backfield and you say, okay, Roshan Johnson, a guy who was a quarterback, is, you know, your second best running back, arguably, for a team that brings in five stars in the blink of an eye. How concerning is, is that from a recruiting standpoint that three years in, you know, the running back depth chart is what it is? That's actually a positive, Pete. Rashawn Johnson was a four-star quarterback, dual-threat athlete. He's the leading rusher in the history of Fort Nature's Grove football. He accounted for over 80 total touchdowns in high school. That's not an indictment on the Texas program. That's actually a plus that the staff evaluated him. And then the humbleness for Rashawn Johnson to come into uh, the, the, the coach's office at the end of camp and say, guys, our depth chart is lacking. Do you need me to help? That's what you want. You get more Rashawn Johnson types in this program, you'll hear less problems. You'll see more games won on a final field goal rather than lost on a final field goal. Rashawn Johnson is the epitome of what this team needs. And trust me, this depth chart is about to be really, really good. When Jordan Whittington comes back healthy in the spring, you're going to have an elite playmaker. When B. John Robinson, who has set the sign, he's one of the top uh, running backs in the nation out of Tucson, when he gets on board, you're going to have another elite back. This running back depth is going to look really good and give Rashawn Johnson credit for stepping up and understanding he, what the team needed at the time. That's not an indictment. That's a positive. Hey there, it's Pete Mundo. And our friends at MyBookie.ag have become great partners of Heartland College Sports. And uh, during Thanksgiving week, they've got a great risk-free, literally risk-free offer for the Bears-Lions game. You choose a team against the spread up to $250. And if you win, congrats. You've got extra holiday spending money. But if you lose, Congratulations. My bookie will give you all your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy. And it doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. MyBookie.ag welcomes all levels of players, and they've got a great customer service team that will take you through the process and make sure that you are taken care of. So just log on to MyBookie.ag and make your first deposit with the promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll, and that's on top of the risk-free Bears-Lions bet. Let me repeat that. Guaranteed deposit match, risk-free bet, Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, you don't want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply can't lose. Make sure you do your part to support your team this season. Hop on the gravy train. Get in on the action with mybookie.ag. Promo code BIG12, BIG12. You play, you win. You get paid. Very interesting and very fair point there. Justin Wells inside Texas joining us here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. So, uh, Justin, on the recruiting front, how much is this year affecting anything moving forward, whether it's the class of 2020 or, you know, I know class of 21 is a ways away, but how much of is the mediocre 2019 season having an impact on that? Well, for, you know, for each class, you're going to have your front runners and your guys that are just solid locks. And I think Texas has kind of brushed off the front runners. The guys that jumped on board when they were the hottest were the guys that were the first to decommit. And I think for the most part, you've seen those guys gone. It can't go without saying, you know, the, the season being disappointing, it's going to lend to some, some troubles on the recruiting trail. But I, the funny thing about this class of 2023 is there are some really strong kids here. And, and what I mean is, a lot of them are committed not just – they're not just committed to signing with Texas to play football. They're committed to the university. They understand the bigger picture. A lot of these kids, the Hudson Card, 
Quentin Jackson, Prince Dorbett, Xavier Alford, Vernon Barton, he's on Robinson. These guys see the bigger picture at what Texas can be and what was only 12 months ago. So you're going to lose some of the a couple off the top. I think, uh, you know, there's going to be some, you know, down to the wire kids. I, I think, especially on the D line, I think with Van Tillinger, the commitment, all of, uh, the Army All American, I think Utah's really, really going to battle there. I think Alfred Collins, the last big, big target on the board. He, he you know, he's, he's, he's big Texas guy, but he also likes OU. He likes what Baylor's doing. I think you're going to see some battles there. But overall, Texas is going to sign, likely sign a top 10 national class, probably regardless how the season ends, simply because a good base of this. Uh, of this commit of uh, this class has actually, you know, built bonds with each other. You know, the big deal, the big thing this, these years is is when these kids get in a group text and they stay engaged with each other. Social media allows them to kind of check on each other, and so when you have such a solid group like this 2020 class has, I think it's actually a good thing for Coach Herman in Texas because despite the the six and five record going into Thanksgiving. They still have a top, like a number seven, number eight, top ten recruiting class, and that's probably not going to change. You'll have a few that come down to the wire on National Signing Day. Every school does, every class does. That's what makes recruiting, you know, so much fun and so crazy to cover. But at the end of the day, I think the majority of this clout 2020 is going to stay strong. And that's really going to help Texas and Tom Herman down the road. Justin Wells inside Texas. Uh, Justin, take me through the recruiting scene right now in the state of Texas when you look at the hierarchy. I mean, we know that obviously there's Texas at the top and, you know, A&M with Jimbo Fisher not having a great season. But uh, then you throw in Matt Rule and what he's doing at Baylor this year. And Gary Patterson obviously always has his hands tied into things. How has the strategy and, and how has the hierarchy in the state in general changed here as of late? It's that. I mean, that's hard to quantify right now because you know, after LA, even after LSU, Texas has pretty much taken the, the the top perch when it comes to to gathering talent. I think Jimbo had a good transition class. Uh, it, it, you know, give him give A and M credit bringing on Kenyon Green and Demarvin Leal and, and those guys those, and CJ Spiller. I mean, those guys were instant help. Uh, but I, I think even with that. Texas still kind of stays on that perch, and, and I think some of it is is Tom Herman selling the program, selling you know selling the vision, uh, you know, with the success those the early success they've had. But also, don't forget that logo really goes far, especially in this state. And, and, and a lot of times, kids, you know, they're not just committing to Texas football; they're committing to the school. And so, so far, I think Texas is still probably around there. But as of the last few months, if we were doing a, a straw poll. I think you would you would see other guys kind of creeping up a little bit. Even though Baylor's recruiting class isn't that nationally heralded, it's pretty solid. Texas Tech is putting together a pretty solid class. Give Matt Wells some credit. He dipped his, his foot in East Texas and grabbed some really good, talented kids down here. Um, and then look at Gary Patterson. I mean, he's always going to recruit well. He's always going to recruit and evaluate at a high level because he's going to turn the, the 2A quarterback into an All-American middle linebacker. He's going to, you know, he, he gets the most out of those tweener kids, especially on the defensive side. And then you got, you know, let's not forget SMU, Sonny Dykes, yeah. uh, Rashad Samples. They've got some stroke now. They've got some momentum. Give Shane Michelle a ton of credit for what he's been able to do with, with SMU and those guys. And, and so I think the hierarchy's probably still Texas, Texas A&M, you know, kind of in that order. But, you know, if we're, if we're just talking in-state, let's not forget it. 
LSU loves to come to Texas. And with their recent success, don't be surprised to see them all over Houston. Alabama loves to come to Texas. They'll cherry-pick some kids from DFW and maybe Houston. And so you're not just – right now, the, the state hierarchy is probably more Texas, Texas A&M, and then the next tier, which is your TCUs, your Texas Techs, guys like your Baylors, guys like that. But th- those out-of-state schools are always a threat. And when you've got two teams like Texas and Texas A&M that are basically 6-5, and five, that only opens the door wider for those outside powers to come in and start poaching. Justin, last thing for you on the Big 12 in general. Uh, you look at this season, Kansas getting better. Uh, you mentioned Matt Wells rebuilding there in Lubbock. Uh, Chris Kleiman has exceeded expectations. Neil Brown, I think, is going to have a heck of a program in a couple of years. This conference, top to bottom, is as deep as any in America. It, it is going to be a lot of fun to watch this unfold going forward. But what do you make of, of the strength of the Big 12, the depth of the Big 12, and the kind of year this conference is having? I completely agree with, with your assessment with the coaches. I think even this year we've seen it more so than in the past. Just the depth of head coaching and assistant, the, the staffers in, in the Big 12. I mean, these guys are, are revolutionizing, revolutionizing modern football. Uh, my, my boy at, at Inside Texas, Ian Boyd, he's our X's and O's guru. He wrote a, a book called Flyover Football. You can get it on Amazon.com. Check it out. It is tremendous. It breaks down how the Big 12 coaches have modernized the game. And it's, and it's funneling to the NFL when you see it with the Baltimore Ravens, with the San Francisco 49ers, the way they're using motion, the way they're using dual threat quarterbacks, the traps, the counters. It's all progressive. And I think that's a great thing for the Big 12 because, you know, from a draft standpoint, the SEC is going to always be the big dog, it seems. The ACC is always going to be right around the mix there, too. But you know, the further west you go, just don't see as much in the draft, even from the Pac-12 and things of that sort. At the end of the day, I think the Big 12 will be stronger, but for the star power, unless it's outside of, you know, such the spread, you know, with the spread concepts, unless it's outside of a quarterback, a running back, a big O lineman, or a big receiver, it's just you're always going to see a gap there, I think. I think you're always going to see just a little more talent in, in, in bigger places, bigger regions, simply because of the schemes and, and the way things are run. You're going to, find, you're going to see the bigger O-linemen in the Big Ten because they do a lot of stuff downhill. You're going to see uh, a lot more athletes in the SEC because there's so much speed they put on defense. Well, in the Big 12, it's going to be offensive-centric. And mm-hmm. these coaches are unbelievably deep. And I think that's a challenge for Tom Herman and the Texas Longhorns. You're not, you're not, it's one thing that, you know, if you're not going to give Iowa State you know, a top-tier credit, but Matt Campbell is a top-tier coach. So at some point, you have to acknowledge you're not just going against good teams. You're going against great coaches that are building good teams. Awesome stuff. He's Justin Wells inside Texas. Be sure to check him out. Guys do great work over there. Uh, Justin, thank you so much as always for a few minutes. Really appreciate the insight and the time. Hey, I really appreciate you, Pete. Love what you guys do. Thanks, Thanks again. Thank you, man. He's Justin Wells, outstanding insight, InsideTexas.com. Please do check him out. And as always, please, guys, leave us that rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports uh, koozie in return. Just shoot me a screenshot of the rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. And please consider uh, becoming a Patreon member, Patreon.com slash HeartlandCollegeSports.com. We'll explain everything over there. You can see uh, the importance of you know why this would help us and how we can continue to develop the top 
independent Big 12 digital media outlet to push back on the FCC and the Big 10 BS. We want to do more of that. So we appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you soon.